pray for everyone in here, those who know you, God, let us be reminded of the fact that you have given us life and you are our identity. For those who don't know you, God, I pray that Melly's testimony is an encouragement and challenge of the life that you are offering. I pray that we would find life in you. God, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would challenge us and encourage us. I uh, thank you, God, that you are you know the details and ins and outs of everything that we are going through and experience and are carrying, and that you care for us immensely within that. I pray that you would remind us of that this morning. Whatever we brought in, God, help us to surrender that to you and hear from you this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, join me in Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23. We have a couple more weeks in Leviticus. Um, going to be taking the rest of this month to finish the book. We've been in this for a while, and it's been uh, really encouraging, and hopefully it's been a challenge to you. Um, we started in Leviticus 23 a couple weeks ago, talking about Sabbath, and we're going to get into the rest of the chapter this morning. Uh, while you're turning that, if somebody were to come up, uh, turning to there, while, while, if somebody were to come up to you and ask, what is your schedule like, um, you would probably be able to answer it pretty quickly, right? I have work here, class here, and you kind of rattle it off throughout your week. Um, but if somebody came up and asked you, what does your schedule look like for the year? That one, it might, uh, I mean, there might be the person that really proudly like, oh, let me show you. And you have every single month planned out. Those people are rare. And we are jealous and disgusted by you a little bit. Um, I say that very jealously. But then most of us are just like, I know what the next couple months hold. To think through the reality of the year, that's kind of harder. But whether you're a planner or not, we know when the holidays are, right? Not just the holiday season that we're entering, but the holidays of the year. You know where they are, the different dates throughout the years, uh, throughout the year. It's interesting the different opinions that come up when we start talking about holidays. There are a lot of different things people can say from I love the holidays to I hate the holidays. We use phrases like that's a Hallmark holiday or the holidays just feel different now. We, we talk about them whether we love them or we hate them. There are different dates throughout the 365 which stand out within the calendar year for us to observe specific things that are very important, whether it's values or commemorate different things that are happening. We understand the importance of the reality of holidays. What happens in Leviticus 23, what we're going to look at today, is God's appointed dates within the calendar year for his people to observe. But their importance goes way beyond anything that we think of within our own holidays. These aren't merely dates to observe. These are festivals, feasts to experience. It says in Leviticus 23, verse 2, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. These are my appointed feasts. These days proclaim Holiness. They proclaim the reality of God. These days are appointed as special by the one who made all of our days. These are my appointed festivals, God says. And like always, they are a gracious gift from him to us. They are worship experiences which remind people who God is and who they are in relationship with him. 
These days remind people of how much God cares for them and loves them and provides for them. These are dates that our souls cannot afford to miss because of the experiences and the truth that they provide. Now in that, I'm not, I'm not gonna go into the intricate details of all six feasts that we see throughout Leviticus 23, but I wanna talk more to the general idea of them collectively and the scriptural truth that they reveal to us. If you look at the back of your bulletin, which I left over here. If you look at the back of the bulletin, I have them all laid out for you. And I'd like you to pull that out if you have it. And if not, look on somebody um, around you. And I'm going to ask you, as I'm going through these, I'm going to ask you to write a couple phrases next to some of these, uh, to the different feasts as we go through them. And so again, more of an overview nature. First off, there are the spring festivals, Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, and the Feast of Weeks. Starts off with Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread in, in Leviticus 23, 4 to 8. Both of these are focused on the same thing, them remembering that they're not in Egypt anymore. You're no longer slaves. They had to eat unleavened bread for a whole week and a remembrance. You are no longer in slavery. You have been delivered. God delivered you, saved you, rescued you. And you can have confidence then in his power and his salvation of his care for you. So the thing I want you to write next to that feast is he delivered me. He delivered me. Next to Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, God delivered me. That's what these, those, that first group, that first festival is emphasizing. God delivered me. The second thing is we have, the, the, the second one is the Festival of first fruits, And this was a time to remember God's provision, the promised land is theirs. God is the one who's made it possible. He is the one who is providing all of the crops and all of their needs. He has provided their sustenance. And so that's the thing I want you to write next to this second festival. He provides for me. He provides for me. Because they acknowledge they would bring the first portion of their harvest, the first portion of what they've gathered, and may offer it to God as an acknowledgement that all that we have is provided by you. So he provides for me. The third one is the Feast of Weeks. And this was another harvest time to remember that God is, gives us a life of overflowing joy. Bread was made with leaven now, not, it wasn't unleavened, now they've added the leaven, and multiple offerings were presented, and they were instructed to share a portion of all that they had been given of the harvest with the poor and the traveler. God has given us so much, we can give a portion to you. We want to share what he's given. And so it's a, this idea of joy overflowing was the theme of this particular feast. And so that's the thing I want you to write next to that one. He's my overflowing joy. Think about pouring a cup so much that the water overflows. And that's the joy that God can give us, that it's so much that it overflows so we can share it with others. And so those are the spring festivals. Then it's the fall festivals, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Booths. The first one is the Feast of Trumpets. And like it sounds, there's trumpets involved in this. It's a Sabbath experience with the blasting of trumpets, which depending on how well they were, that could either be really good or really not good. But I'm assuming that they knew what they were doing and it sounded awesome. But the trumpets were like a prayerful act 
It was a shout of victory, if you will. It was acknowledging God and requesting the Lord's help. That's what this signified. We can reach out to the Lord. We can call out to the Lord, and he's hearing us. I mean, he's the one that told us to do this, so he's obviously going to hear our cry if he's told us to cry out to him. And so he is faithful. That's what I want you to write next to that one. He is faithful. God is faithful in his victory. He is faithful to hear us. He is faithful when we call out to him. He answers us. He is faithful. The Day of Atonement. We talked about Yom Kippur a couple weeks ago. This is the most holy day within their calendar when the priests would bring two goats and they would put their hands on the one and all the sins would be of the nation would be put on that goat and it would be out into the, let out into the wilderness. It was a time when their sins were forgiven and they were made clean before the Lord. And so that's the emphasis there. He graciously forgives. That's what you need to write next to that one. He graciously forgives. He is a gracious, forgiving God and they needed to be reminded of that. And then the last one, Dr. Radelnik spoke to us about this in October. He talked about Sukkot, this festival of living in tents to remind them of how God guided them through the wilderness, how he provided for them, how he protected them during this time. And we think about they've been rescued from slavery and now they're moving toward the promised land and God is protecting them and guiding them and giving them what they need. God is the one who has given me this life of freedom. And so that's the thing I want you to write next to that one. He gives me life. He gives me life. Now, if you go back and you look at what all of these festivals that God graciously gave his people to experience, what they communicate, that he delivered me, he provides for me, he is my abundant joy, he is faithful, he graciously forgives, he gives me life. If you go back and you read all of the details on your own later, you're going to see the rituals described and their different requirements of what they were supposed to do. But when you see that list and the different things that they're supposed to do, it's not like the people of God were going to like the ancient DMV to renew their license or get a passport where they were like, oh, I got to do this and I need this and I got to get this form and have I have this and I need to remember this and oh, what is the wait time, this grueling reality of going to the DMV, which I have to apologize. If you work for the DMV, it's, it's the office. It's not you. You're just doing your job. It's totally fine. When we read this and we see that list, we kind of, ugh. But that's not how they viewed this. It was the opposite. God wanted them to have a time to set aside that they would do no work or little work to worship him through a specific ritual by which they would be reminded of and experience these truths. He rescued us. He provides for us. He gives us overflowing joy. He is faithful. He graciously forgives. He gives us life. They experienced these realities because God knew that they needed to. Now, throughout Leviticus, one of the things that we've been talking about is that, no, we're not bound by our lives in Jesus to order our lives by the details of the Old Testament law. 
where God, Jesus came to fulfill the law. But he didn't come for us to reject it, set it aside, and ignore it, and it's not relevant to us. This is God's character in a different place and how he guided his people at this time. And so in that, God never changes, and these things show us the reality of his character, and we can learn what it means to be his people. So these, even though we're not bound to order our calendar by these feasts, these feasts still teach us really important truths about what it means to be the people of God. And so what do these things reveal to us? When we look at these different feasts and these different things that they experience, the fact that God said, I am appointing these days in your calendar that you would stop what you're doing and focus on these truths because I want you to remember them and experience them. What does that tell us today as people who follow the Lord? Well, first off, is that you and I, we need regular reminders of the goodness of the Lord. We need regular reminders of the goodness of the Lord. I know I don't have to tell anyone in here that life can be a lot at times. We get busy, there's tons to do with work or school or parenting or all the other stuff that life throws at us. And sometimes it's a lot, but it's good. Other times it's a lot and it's overwhelming. And it's during those times when it's overwhelming that can be concerning. Emotions can cloud our judgment. Hurt, anger, or frustration can skew how we see people. Uncertainty turns up the anxiety. A trial that seems to never end cranks anxiety up even more. And the longer we do, we go in those type of experiences, the worse it can be for us. Not just health-wise, but we begin doubting the reality of God and his goodness and what he has for us. Because why am I experiencing this? The thing is in those moments that we don't realize is that whatever it is that causes the pressure in those moments forces us to focus it on it, on the pressure, and ignore other things. When we're under the gun, when the weight of the world is on us, when we're experiencing the difficulty of life, when all the trials are there, when the challenges are come and we're feeling overwhelmed with us, by the very nature of that pressure, we focus on that pressure and we tend to tune out and forget other things. We can only focus on so many things at once. And so the overwhelming pressure of life causes us to focus only on the overwhelming pressures of life. And so that's why God is saying... You need to pause. You need to pause. I hear that amen in the other room. Thank you very much. (laughs) You need to step away. You need to change your rhythm. In each of these feasts, again, they either stopped working partially or altogether. Pause. Stop. Stop the pace and the schedule that you're currently going at. Pause and enter into this holy time. Not to focus on life's pressures, but to focus on the one who is with us during life's pressures, who is with us all the time. This is a holy time to regroup, to remember, like a married couple on the outs with fight after fight, year after year, who need to go away in a marriage retreat to be reminded of why they fell in love in the first place. We need to step away from everything, to be reminded of our first love to be reminded of God and his goodness and the truth that he is and the truths that we tend to forget when the pressures of life are on us. Can I challenge you, especially, I know it's gonna happen because we've all experienced it. It's like the clockwork. If we're going into November, so Thanksgiving's coming and then Christmas and then what? 
New Year's Eve. And what is everybody going to do? Set resolutions that no one's going to keep. Or very few, right? How many of you have set a New Year's resolution you didn't keep? Let's have a moment of confession, right? Hands high. No, no, come on. Hands high. Don't put it up. How many of you have ever completed a New Year's resolution? See how the fewer hands went up for that one? But here's the thing. Typically, the reason why we don't accomplish um, New Year's resolutions is we set unrealistic goals in the very beginning. If we set smaller, not like, you know, sometime this year, I'm going to sleep. Like, that, that doesn't count. But like something that would be attainable and whatever. So can I challenge you, whether you do it now or whether you think about the year ahead when you process this year, give yourself time to schedule time with God. And yet, yes, Sundays, and we, yes, but I'm talking about we need to have a couple days in our year, whether it's an afternoon or a Saturday or even a weekend where you set aside a little bit of time to step away from everything, not for vacation, not for whatever, but to I'm going to be with the Lord during this time. This is going to be a spiritual retreat. And maybe you do one of the retreats that New Life does. Maybe you do go to a conference. Maybe you just take a Saturday and say, this is going to be a me and the Lord day. We typically don't think like this because we just think Sunday, but we need to think annually to have a couple days to be with the Lord. I did youth ministry for a long, long time, and one of the things youth ministry gets really criticized for is camps and retreats. The idea that, ah, these are just these emotional experiences, and they go away for a week, and then they come back, and they get back in life, and they they just kind of, it was just all this thing in the moment. Because look what happens to them when they graduate from high school. It all goes away. The problem is, is that when they graduate high school, they stop going to retreats and camps. What youth ministry teaches, youth ministry has the feast down better than adults. Because what happens is that the youth ministries are scheduling regular times to get away from the chaos of school and life and everything, to enter into the presence of the Lord and be reminded of truth and who God is and who we are in him. It isn't that we don't need camp and retreat. The issue is we need more of them. And so I want to challenge you, when those retreats get promoted, go to one. When we have those special times, whether it's a growth night or we're going to, we've, the leadership team talked about different things we want to do next year to kind of, whether it's encouraging couples, encouraging parents, talking about life, faith, whatever it is, go to those things. Put the, find your own things to do as far as conferences and retreats, but give yourself permission to pause. And so maybe that's the challenge you need to take from today is I'm going to sit down And between now and the end of the year, when is my day going to be? Maybe you can't do a full day. When is my afternoon going to be or my evening going to be where I'm going to have a a a holy festival time? It's going to be me and God to focus on the word, to pray, to be encouraged, to be able to focus on him for an extended amount of time. We need regular reminders of the goodness of the Lord. Your overwhelmed heart needs to be reminded of the one who loves you while you're overwhelmed. And we need to make the time to do that, which leads to the second thing. We need to make time for God first, not last. We need to make time for God first. We need to schedule that, 
then put everything else around it. Remember what God said, these are my appointed feasts. God told them, there's different days that you're going to do this feast. Again, not DMV trip, but because you need this, your soul needs this, you need to be encouraged, equipped, convicted, empowered, reminded of the covenant that we have them. For them to hear this and then to say to God, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of tired right now. I don't feel like doing that. Or we had company from out of town, like this other village came in. I can't really participate in Sukkot right now because I don't want them to like think I'm a weird religious person or whatever. We're not going to do it this time. Or fill in the blank with the thing that we say, this is my get out of doing things with God card. Too often than not, we don't put God in first. We put in God after everything else. And for the reality of what it means to be his followers, we need to be in the habit of putting in him first. It says in Hebrews, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Culturally for a long time, the idea a lot of things didn't happen on Sundays. Sure, restaurants, movies, things like that were open, but sport leagues or anything of that sort didn't happen on Sundays, and now they do. There's so many different things that happen on Sundays now. Our culture doesn't value having a day set aside for the Lord the way the Lord wants us to. How many people pull up to Chick-fil-A and go, oh, it's Sunday, and forget? But what is the whole thing within that? We don't need to do this today. We're going to go and be with the Lord and family and friends and experience what God has given us. We need to make that priority. We need to be counter-cultural. Our habit must be to do this together, to be in life together, not to be here when it's convenient or when you're scheduled to volunteer, but to be fully present to experience the presence of the Lord together. Again, you, we all have different schedules, we have different responsibilities, we have different things, but we need to prioritize the Lord. We need to prioritize our time with the Lord. And that's not meant to guilt anyone, that's not meant to make shame or whatever, it's a reminder, our souls need this. Our hearts need this. We're not supposed to do life together alone, so you need to be together. We need not to just go with the world's way of thinking, so we need to be in the word together. We can't go by our own strength, so we need to pray to the Lord together. We prioritize this because we need this. If guilt is there, maybe that's not guilt, maybe that's conviction. Maybe that's telling us we need to make some adjustments. Because the reality is, is that God is saying, you need to pause, you need to gather, you need me and you need one another. We need to make time for him first, not throw him in last. The last thing is that we have to grow in the truths of God, which these festivals point to. We have to grow within these truths. God doesn't remind them to these simply so they can go, oh, that was cool, and then kind of keep on going. Last weekend, I was with some friends in New Orleans, and we were walking through kind of Jackson Square, and there was these street performers there doing magic and jumping over people and all kinds of stuff, and they would gather a crowd. And we walked up, we saw them, this was great, and then we kept on going. In fact, that's the first time I've thought about that since last weekend. That's not how the festivals were. 
It wasn't like, hey, come, do this, it's over, keep on moving and not be changed. No, it's be reminded of the fact that God delivered you, provides for you, gives you abundant joy, is faithful, graciously forgives and gives you life. And remember that as you leave. Come and get this reminder because you need the reminder as you keep going. You need to come and get this to take it with you so you have it with you. Not just come and see a show, but too often than not, we experience church as consumers and not as faithful followers, worshipers. We need to come and be together to receive the truth of God, to be reminded of the promises of God, to be reminded of our identity in him so we can then take that into the rest of our days. It says in Psalm 90, 12, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to be thoughtful about our days and the days that we have. Teach us about how we go about our days and how we think about our days, to not be aloof or apathetic about how we live, but be mindful of that reality. And we think about these different truths that these festivals encourage us in and challenge us within us. You're a follower of Jesus. And I know some of you are struggling with some things and you have different challenges or you have decisions coming up and whatever, or parenting things, marriage things, single life, college life, work life. There's a lot represented in here. And in the midst of that, whatever those things are, you need to be reminded that there's a God who loves you and cares for you. He delivered you, which means you're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer bound by that idea of hopelessness, that he provides for you. He knows your needs. He knows what's going on. He gives you joy that even in the midst of the most difficult thing, you can have joy knowing that God is with you and has your back. He is faithful to hear every cry that you give and every single thing that you might be going through. And if you mess up at any of those moments, he's going to graciously forgive you because he's the one that gives you life. You need to be reminded of that as you consider your days. We need to grow in that as we go through life. That's why we get in the word. That's why we listen to teaching. That's why we pray together. That's why we connect so we can be reminded of these things. The thing that you're wrestling with, the God these festivals describe is with you. The thing that you're carrying, this God is with you and wants to give you strength. Remember that you are not alone. Too often than not, the moments we become overwhelmed are the minutes we start forgetting who God is and who we are in him. That isn't to minimize anything we're going through. It's to remember that God is with us in the midst of those things. And so we need to be reminded of that. If you're somebody in here that you're not somebody who follows Jesus. This is you're here because you're interested or checking things out or maybe you just walked in or whatever. I don't know. That's, you stuck it out this long. That's really impressive. The reality is that this God that we're talking about, he loves you beyond what you can comprehend. And anything else in this life that you look to for what's going on in your soul cannot do what he's offering. No one can deliver you and rescue you from the bounds of sin and the brokenness that causes that. No one else can give you joy the way that he does. No one else is going to provide for you the things you need, not just the things that we see right in front of us that maybe we want. No one else is going to give you joy. No one else is going to be faithful to you the way that he does and hear your cry. No one else is going to graciously forgive you or cancel you. 
The world will cancel you. God will graciously forgive you. And he is the one that's going to give you life. These feasts point to the reality of Jesus. And he died so you can have this type of life. Like Melly shared within her story, I needed to realize that he is Lord of my life. Not myself, not anyone else. I can't run to other things. I have to run to him. And so if that's you today, know that he is inviting you to really live. He's inviting you to live a life that's defined by festivals that point to him. That's the thing about God. He defines life by a party. And too often than not, we live the opposite. He wants us to have our days defined and reminded by feasts and festivals. And it's in the moments we forget him that we start living a boring, mundane, overwhelming life. And so be reminded this morning of the God who loves you, of the God who delivered you, provides for you, gives you abundant joy, is faithful, is gracious, and gives you life because he loves you beyond what you can comprehend. We're going to end today by receiving communion. And what a great day to have communion, that on a day that we're looking and talking about needing reminders of what God has done. We have annual, God points to these annual, the need for, as you think about your year, to have these moments when you stop and you remind yourself. But as we talked about two weeks ago with Sabbath, we have these weekly reminders of gathering and learning and worshiping together. But then he says, have, observe communion, that you would stop and remember what God has done. Go ahead and start passing it out. It says in 1 Corinthians 11, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given things, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You need to remember that I died for you. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You need to remember that God has made it possible for us to be in relationship with him that it's his blood that cleanses us and gives us new life. As often, excuse me, thank you. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so as we take communion this morning, we're remembering his death for us, his blood shed for us, the life that he gives. And so what we do, if you've never done communion with us before, this let me give you some instructions. Uh, they're passing out the bread and they're passing out the juice. While you do that, just hold on to it. We'll receive communion together once everybody has some. Um, the bread tray has a smaller thing in it. The, uh, that smaller container has gluten-free bread. So if you need that, um, you can do that. Uh, if you're curious about gluten-free bread, don't do that now. Do that later. Um, and so take those. And then we always just take this time as just quiet reflection before the Lord. We've heard from